Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 407 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, we're in 2020. Yeah, we're, we are. We're recording this from the past. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, I hope everyone had a nice holiday season. Um, we recorded this episode back in December, and it had been a while since we did what we did. So do you want to talk about, tell people who came back on? Our good friend, Penny Reed. Our good friend, Penny Reed. Uh, if you... Haven't been listening to the show for a really long time. You may not know our kinship with Penny. Uh, Penny Reed is a wildly successful uh, indie author who kind of specializes in like rom-com mm-hmm. type of stuff. Um, she also writes mysteries. Basically, she's the type of person. She's just a super talented writer who like falls in love with a certain idea of a genre, obsesses over it, and then writes a bunch of really fun books in it. Pretty much. Um, so she came on because she just has a lot of stuff going on. Um, in 2019 alone, she, I think it was like four, it was like three different series, but one of them had three books in it. It was ridiculous. Yeah, she is just a workaholic. Um, and then in 2020, she has engagement and espionage, which we talk about, and also pride and dad jokes is another thing that she like didn't even remember to bring it up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she has a ton of stuff going on. And then the one thing that she didn't talk about in the episode that she wanted us to mention is if you are a really big fan of her work, definitely check out Smarty Pants Romance, which is her imprint that she started. Uh, Basically, all of the Winston Brothers kind of universe that she has created, there's a bunch of other writers that have come on to write books Mm -hmm. in that universe. Yep. Uh, And I did check... Many of them are on Overdrive.com. Excellent. Yes. So if you look up Smarty Pants Romance uh, on Overdrive.com, you can find a bunch of those books and uh, recommend them to your library if they don't have them, which yes, that we definitely promote that. Good stuff. Yes. Uh, And everything else we talk about at at length. Uh, Oh, yeah, we do. We get a little sidetracked on her YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm leaving everything we talked about. I'm not not cutting any of it. I'm leaving it all in. It's so good. Yeah, so that's, that's that's what this is all about. Um, I and she also, if memory serves me correct, she gave us some recommendations of books that she's been enjoying mm-hmm. this year. So lots of good stuff from Penny, as always. Um, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? Go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. From there, you can get our social links. We're on Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. And in all those locations, you'll also find our Professional Book Nerds 2020 Reading Challenge. Fun fact, because she's self-published, you can use one of her books for one of the challenges. Sure can. Sure can. All about that synergy. Um, So, yes, check those out. Grab the challenge. Um, Anything else you think people should know about? I don't think so. I don't think so either. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this lovely chat with our good friend Penny Reed on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
I've had way too much coffee as per normal. That's, so I'm going to try not. That's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, also, and I'll, like, just as a heads up, I started our recording, I'll do, like, an intro, but we'll, we'll <laughs> edit. We've gotten real fancy around here in the in the past two years. No, did, did, am I looking at this right? Did you publish four things this year? Did I publish? I don't know. Let me count. So I, I published a trilogy, uh, Motion, Space, and Time, the Laws of Physics trilogy, and then I published a book for charity called Kissing Galileo. Mm-hmm. And then I published um, Beard With Me mm-hmm. and Beard Necessities. So I guess, yeah, four things, depending on how you count. If you count a trilogy as one thing, then yeah. Wait, so lo- wait, wait, Law of Physics is, because I, I saw part three that I saw for sure that came out this year. All three of the books came out this year? All three of the books came out this year because if I, if I wait between releasing them, like the amount of anger and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it can it can be felt around the world so what i do is i wait until they're basically all done so and you, then i release them very closely together so you, you've learned from george r, r. martin then not <laughs> to do that <laughs> well I, more specifically i've learned from patrick rothfuss oh yeah that, that too yeah I, i'm not saying that i i pray for his demise every sunday but i'm just really irritated that he hasn't Release the third book in that series. Yep. So, Patrick, if you're listening, right. So there you go. Isn't that is that your Jill? That your husband? He loves those books, right? Yeah. 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 We both do. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, they're so they're good. So good. So so while Joe, as a, there's a, a famous article, I don't know if it was Deadspin or The Ringer somewhere, but they just said George R. R. Martin has no pages. Like that's so it's Penny Reed <laughs> has pages is basically it's the opposite <laughs> of that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have pages. It's a problem. I mean, it's a problem on both sides. I think as to a certain extent, you just kind of, like, saturate the market, and people are like, okay, whoa, 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 stop it with the books. So uh, I might be approaching that. So my plan this year is not to release anything for the first six months. I'm going to try and just lay low. And then uh, Engagement and Espionage will be releasing in uh, June, and then that will be the first book release of the year, I think. Last time you were here, we kind of, it was two years ago, which is ridiculous, mm. but you sort of talked about engagement and espionage, which is now going to come out in 2020. So hit, hit us up with the details. What's it all about? All right. So engagement and espionage is a spinoff of the Winston Brothers series, specifically of the characters from book three, which are Cletus Winston and Jennifer Banana Cake Queen. Uh, Donner, Sylvester, Winston. So there's a lot of names in there. Anyway, so they were um, the main characters in the third book, and they are together at the end of the third book in the Winston Brothers series. And then the cozy mysteries that I'll be writing for them or have written for them take place immediately after the end of their book and then go through for the next six years. So there's going to be, there's four books planned. The first one, Engagement and Espionage, is about somebody has... Okay, so Jennifer is the banana cake queen, as I said, and she, from a very young age of 15, has baked the best banana cake in the entire world. It's just like this is what she's known for. And um, she's like, so also bake happy cakes. and But she's got a lot going on. And anyway, so she has secrets about how she bakes. And one of her secrets is that she gets all of her eggs from a very specific uh, 
egg farm where they're all very happy chickens. And then she gets her milk from a very specific dairy where they're all very happy cows. Well, somebody comes up around and starts buying up all the eggs and all the um, milk and the butter from the cows. And then when that doesn't stop her because she uses her powers of persuasion, somebody ends up murdering all the chickens and murdering all the cows, et cetera, et cetera. Spoiler alert, I guess I should say. And so then the espionage portion of it is them going over undercover to figure out who could have done such a thing. And meanwhile, she's trying to prepare for the um, state fair baking contest where she's won for, I think, seven years in a row. And so then it's all the shenanigans that ensue going undercover uh, trying to figure out who is um, who is murdering these animals specifically to keep her from winning the baking <laughs> contest at the state fair. <laughs> so there you go. That so, description yeah. got, that description took a real left turn into Darksville. <laughs> Sure did. So there's a lot going on in the sleepy town of Green Valley, and somebody ends up with leprosy. Let me just put it that way. So, what? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, How are you well, just going to drop the armadillo. leprosy at us? Well, okay. So, you know armadillos are carriers for leprosy? I do now. <laughs> yeah, now you do. So, tuck that information away. <laughs> very curable leprosy is very curable once it's diagnosed so in terms of like a disease to get somebody for revenge it's not you know so bad it's an irritant now it's not like in jesus's time where it was like ah leper so there you go um and by the way I absolutely know how important it is to get the specific cows and chickens as a person who has recently found on a youtube rabbit hole of cheese making videos Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? I do know what you're talking about because I do this thing called penny tries where I try these things that force me to go outside of my house. And I, it's like a it's like a short little, I do these short little YouTube videos. It's like five to ten minutes long. And one of them was a cheese making experience. And I just about singed on my fingertips off making mozzarella or as the italians call it mozzarella (laughs) so i i will say like literally over the past week or so i've fallen on this rabbit hole where my wife will see me on my phone and she'll know she's like are you watching a cheese get made and i'm like yeah it's gruyere you should see it's very and it's it's there it's like food porn like literally watching these massive wheels of cheese so I get it. I wouldn't yeah. want to make it myself, so I guess good for you, but I'm also well, not stuck in my house all the time writing. <laughs> well, I could, I actually recommend it. It was super fascinating to learn how to make cheese and handy, um, no pun intended. <laughs> and so it was, it was actually really, I recommend it because if you're at home and you have raw milk, and who doesn't? <laughs> if you're at home and you have raw milk and you have people coming over, you can quickly wrap up like a burrata or something like that. But did you know that they use different cows in Europe than they do in the United States, which is why a lot of people in the United States have dairy allergies, but when they travel to Europe, they don't have the same allergies? That's a true thing. Wow. I, there you go. I didn't know that, but I knew that you, they have to have many of these cheeses. God, this is not where I thought this episode would go. Um, I know that many <laughs> of the cheeses have to be like, they have to get the milk from cows that are like oh, no more than 10 kilometers away from where they're making the mm, cheese. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. Very specific. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm literally looking at your YouTube right now, and there are... Oh, no. Penny tries axe throwing. Penny tries falconry. Penny tries yeah, goat I yoga. Oh, the goat yoga was intense. And um, the least relaxed I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> um, so, because they climb on you. I don't... Yeah. They didn't... I didn't know that. I mean, in retrospect, it makes sense, because goats like to climb... But, and then, not just that, but they like to walk on your fingertips, too. And I made the mistake of bringing my daughter. She's not in the video because uh, I don't want to do that to her. But she went with me, and um, there was this giant goat who kept trying to climb her. And I was like, I don't think this is okay. Like, you know, and so they, we had to keep shooing the goat away, but it had, like, her in her sight, in its sights. It was, it was intense. And, um... But she's okay. She's fully recovered mentally and physically from the ordeal. Um, my daughter, not the goat. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, but I, I recommend doing goat yoga because it's like, there, you know, we, as a modern society, we try and pat ourselves from inconvenience and suffering, et cetera, et cetera. So go to goat yoga and suffer and be a better person because of it. It builds character. So, yeah. So, so, so far we've got goat yoga and cheese making. We're really mm-hmm. hitting all yeah. the bases. Um, yeah. Ones that aren't up yet are the cheese making. I haven't put that one up yet. I also did um, kayaking in the sound, in um, Puget Sound in Seattle, mm-hmm. which is amazing. That one was really short because it was just, like, you know, really great. And then the third one that's not up is I did a wolf experience up in Bellingham um, where you, like, on purpose get into a cage with wolves and i uh i don't really want to give too much away but i i feel like man i think that my assistant must have drugged me because i can't imagine that i actually did like i voluntarily did that i went and right before we went into the cage with the wolves they were like snarling at each other and I feel like wolves have human eyes, and that's why those shifter books are so popular, because when they look at you, it's like they're sizing you up. It's like, well, A, what's she going to taste like? And B, um, you know, how quickly can I bring her down? (laughs) You know, so. I have 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 so many questions right now. Yeah. As (laughs) is usually the case when we talk to you, both of our officers are like wide open, like, wait, what? So you get... (laughs) into a cage why a cage i'm confused what there's got to be more to this okay so let me back up so there's this wolf encounter in bellingham and it's super fascinating it's actually an animal rescue and so they have all these different animals there they actually have crocodiles and rare parakeets and sloths they have sloths there as well (laughs) and so what happens is that people in the area will either have pets illegally they'll have um pets that you know like leopards or whatever or an emu they'll have an emu and it's like they can't take care of it or it's illegal and so they surrender it they surrender the pet and it goes to a rescue and i know i'm probably butchering this and there's a lot more involved and i'm not as knowledgeable about this as um i should be but so this particular wolf um encounter they rescue they're an animal rescue so they have all of these different strange animals are strange to me because, you know, we have a dog. Anyway, so um, they, uh, they, they have these wolves 
that are there. And so they have kind of two encounters with them. The first encounter is with teenage wolves. So the wolves are one or two years old. And you walk as a group. There's like a group of, I guess there were, I guess there were about 12 of us, 12 people total. And the you walk into, you know how like you have um, like a containment area. So you walk into this containment area, they close the gate after you, and then they open the second gate that takes you into this big cage where the teenage wolves are. And the teenage wolves have this really intense energy um, where it's very clear that they're not tame, but they're not as big as the full-grown wolves. And so before you go in with them, they say, okay, don't squat on the ground. If you're going to squat on the ground, make sure your back is to the fence so they can't climb on top of you. Don't put your hair in a bun because they will try and bite it. Um, you know, don't turn your back on the wolf. You know, like all the, all the wolves. And so then there's like 10, I guess there were like 10 or 12 wolves, that wolves, teenage wolves that came in. And so part of this rescue is also an effort to reintroduce wolves into the natural environment. So I think it was Yellowstone. Have you seen that documentary about how they re- was it Yellowstone or was it Yosemite, where they yeah. reintroduced the, the wolves into the, and then like in 20 years, everything changed for the better. Mm-hmm. Because, and so then there's also this controversy because there's farmers who don't want, you know, ranchers who don't want wolves reintroduced into the environment because then they lose their herd, you know, and that's a problem. And so there is some controversy around it. But, and I'm talking too much, but more or less the <laughs> issue is that, um, Part of this rescue is reintroducing the wolves. So how they do this and how they support it is they do this wolf encounter and where people come and they learn and about the wolves and it's an educational experience, but they do put you in the cage with the wolves. So that's the first one is the teenage wolf. And um, we have it on video and my assistant just like freaked out. Like we got in there and I was like, are you videotaping? She's like, I'm not, no, I'm not doing anything. So... Because I was like, we got to, you know, like, get this done because I want to get the heck out of here because, I mean, we're in here with wolves. And neither of us were, like, emotionally prepared for how scared we were going to be. And her face the whole time was just like, why, why are we doing this? Why, why did we do this? You know, so, and she was protecting her neck and, you know, like, they're going for the jugular. Anyway, so, so. And then after you do that, which is a very short encounter, you're not in there for a very long time, um, then they take you out and you do the whole containment thing. And then you go into a much larger, uh, much larger, like, fenced-off space with two adult wolves, just two. And these two wolves were raised around people their entire life. And I think, like, one of them, the cousin, was the dire wolf of Games of Thrones or something like that. Fancy. And, And so they're, like celebrity wolves, you know, it's like, anyway, so then, uh, so they're very, they're lovely, but right before we got into the, the cage with, the, or the big enclosure with them, they started, like, legit snarling at each other, and we actually have that on video, and it was, and then I was like, we're getting in there, what are we doing, what is wrong with us that we're doing this? But we did. We went in there, and there were 12 of us, so I felt like, you know, I just had to be faster than at least one other person. <laughs> That's true. And, uh, That's true. And, uh, you know, I've been working out at that point. So um, so we uh, got in there, and then you take a picture with them, and then you get a chance to pet them. And they 
like you as long as you're petting them and as long as you're like scratching them and petting. So basically you become the servant to the wolf sure. Sure, sure, while sure. you're in there. And you have to like, you pet them and you scratch behind their ears and and then they just think that you're fantastic. But as soon as you stop doing that, they give you this look like, Plebeian, what are you doing? <laughs> Continue in your administration, you know, whatever. So, yeah. so I enjoyed myself, but I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> and um, <laughs> would not do it again, but 10 out of 10. Okay, um, so like all these things that you're doing are, will, will they at some point be in parts of books or are you just putting yourself through wild situations just because you like being uncomfortable? Well, okay. So a couple, I think I'll have to put a lot of these in situations into books because once you live the experience, it gives you ideas. So, but that's not why we originally decided to do it. We originally decided to do it because my son asked me about a year ago when I first started to do it. He said, when was the last time you left the house? And I was like, I don't remember. And so it was like, you know, I live in Seattle. It was a dark, wet season, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you just write and then you make dinner and then you go to sleep. And um, and so we thought maybe it would be a good way to kind of get me out of the house mm-hmm. um, to go interact with wolves. And um yeah, so that's why I decided to do it. It was mostly like a personal improvement project. But since I've started to do it, I feel like I have to put the wolf encounter into a book because it was so intense and um, fascinating, you know? Well, listen, you just put, like, a couple of, like, in there, and then all of a sudden you've got yourself, like, a weird, quirky <laughs> romance story, and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean... He could think it's a good idea for a date, or maybe she does, and then they're just like they bond over their terror. Yeah, so, there you go. See, yeah. we're like workshopping a scene in real time here. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Um, so I didn't get to. Ask, what have you guys been up to? What is, what's going on in your life? Um. Well, let's see. Jill had a book come out this year. I did. Which I can oh. let you talk about. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> put me on the spot here. It's your Thank book. you. Um, yeah, so I, uh, my first job out of grad school was as a prison librarian. So I, oh. I wrote a memoir all about my experiences as a prison librarian. Um, it came out in July. It's called Reading Behind Bars, and everyone should go read it. Yeah, it's very, very good. Oh, my gosh, that sounds completely amazing. I, well, can I relate that back to me? Not because I'm trying to hijack the conversation, but just because... Naturally, something... go right ahead. Go right ahead. Okay, because something, something recently happened, and so this is timely. I got an email from a prison guard who said that he watches, uh, like, the screens of six cells all night. So for, like, eight to ten hours a night, he watches these screens of the of the inmates in their cells and he's like and it's you know boring and depressing and so they get books that the, i guess the prison guards um have like a little free library but it gets new books every once in a while and he had read all of the books that were there and one of the books that was there was grin and bearded <laughs> and so he never read a romantic comedy before and he read it and he immediately emailed me and said i'm going to read all your books i never laugh so hard do you have any other recommendations for romantic comedies? Because, and then he, I guess, passed the book around to his prison guard buddies, and they all 
read it and enjoyed it, which I was like, how random is that, you know, that it would end up at a prison? So I guess my question to you is a long way of saying, do the guards also check out books from the prison library? Or how do the books get into the prison? Uh, maybe I should just read your book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an option. Um, so at ours, we would have them donated. People would donate books because... We didn't. Have, I didn't have any money to buy new ones, so it was all donated books. Um, I can't remember if any of the guards checked out books from our library. Maybe one or two. It was mostly all inmates, though, um, who would read the books that were in the library. Yeah, so it's possible somebody, like, donated it or it had been, like, sent in. I don't Yeah, I don't know. And so how does one go about donating books to prisons? There are organizations, usually you have to go through an organization. Um, it's not very often that you could just donate directly. So there are organizations that collect books that they will then um, donate to facilities all around the country. I mean, and there's probably international ones as well. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of, of, I don't have any in front of me right now, of course. <laughs> but yes, there are organizations, if you look up for donating to prisons, who will... Um, you can send them to them, and then they will send them on to the facilities. Now, are they vetted? Do, do the organizations vet them to make sure that, like, like the do? Is there some? I don't want to use the word censorship. No, I understand what you're asking. Sort of yeah, um, that I don't know. That's often on a facility by facility basis. So. Hmm. Chances are the facilities are the ones that vet them, and then that brings up a whole other host of issues because there are, like, each state usually has a list of books that aren't allowed in, um, and sometimes they're questionable in terms of why they don't allow books in. Um, and so that's a whole conversation that's that's kind of happening these days now. So usually the, the facilities will vet the books, not the organization's. And I will say, for people that are listening, there's a really good article. It's a little bit older, but it's from Book Riot that I'll put in our show notes that has, like, a whole bunch of different places that collect books for prisons. And these are, like, based – this looks, like, mostly in the U.S., but mm-hmm. they have it, like, broken out from state by state. So for people listening in – and then for you, Penny, I can just send you this afterwards. But Okay, thank you. And, that would be appreciated. And Book Riot has had um, – Book Riot has a lot of articles – up on their site about books in prison they're usually one of the ones that is very much on the pulse of um book banning and and donations in prison so book riot has a a ton of resources yeah yeah they're great for resources and lists and recommendations book riot yeah yeah i didn't i didn't write a memoir this year but i this year yeah this year no, I did actually. I wrote um, my so I then people will probably know this because I I went recently. But my dad turned seventy this year, and we're a running family. So we uh, I reran his first half marathon, and we did it in Vegas. Um, oh, yeah. So he fun. and he finished in the top. We got him with our we pay my brother in law and I paced him, and he finished in the top five percent of all twenty thousand runners. That's awesome. My dad is a oh my god, That's yeah, amazing. Seventy years old. He's a he's a machine. Where was he for his age group? Uh, he was second in his age group. Nice overall. It was uh, seventy. I think it's seventy to seventy nine. They're one of the few ones that don't have like a 
65 and over right. kind of a thing. So, yeah, he came in second place in his entire age group. That's awesome. Yeah, so maybe that'll become a, a memoir of some sort because it was pretty crazy. So, but yeah, other than that, I moved into a house in January that finally that I built that I might have been building last time we spoke to you two years ago. Um, yes, and yeah, you were. Oh my god, that is depressing. I was almost kind of joking, but that's depressing. Yeah, no, that but, makes sense. Um, tracks. But yeah, other than that, we we just interview lots of authors and read lots of books all the time. Yeah, I mean, but I, so we're, I don't remember where you were building the house. Though, were you rebuilding or were you? No, like, we're. Just, you... It's a townhome community here, um, just outside of Cleveland, and we were the last of like we were in the last five that they were building of forty total, and it was one of those situations where they struggled to get contractors. Because it's a small project for the contractor, whereas, you know, there might be another project that has, like, 300 houses, so they put that as a precedent. So, But we've been there about a year, and it's now loaded with books and our two dogs and, it, yeah, all that good stuff. So, um, actually, speaking of books, what have you been reading lately? Oh, so, um, I, okay, so I just, all right. <laughs> so, I just finished three books that I'm super excited about. If I just finished, I mean, like, this last month, I it, been, it had been a very slow year for me for reading. And then all of a sudden this last month, I read three, basically my three favorite books of the year. And um, except for that's not true. Amy Herman's uh, First Girl Child came out this year, and that was amazing. But that's not one of the ones I'm going to talk about. I'm mm-hmm. going to talk about these three that um, just came out recently that are amazing. So the first one I want to talk about is called The Business of Blood. And it's the first book in the Business of Blood series by Kerrigan Byrne. She typically writes Victorian uh, historical romance. And in this particular case, she's writing more of a mystery series with romantic elements. And it's about a woman, um, Fiona Mahoney, and she cleans up after um, crime scenes. So uh, this is even true now. So when uh, there's a crime scene, when somebody dies in a house, let's say, the forensic team comes in and they get all they need for the evidence and they leave. And then the family or whoever is left with this, for lack of a more sensitive word, a bloody mess. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) it's up to that person, that family or whomever, wherever it happens to hire a cleaning crew to come in and clean and clean up the mess. And so, um, because it's not the police's job to come in and, do this. So Kerrigan is interesting because, well, she's interesting for a lot of reasons. Uh, but one of the reasons she's interesting is because she used to work in forensics. And so when she was starting out, she would, you know, go to these crime scenes. And then after the fact, she'd be like, okay, well, shouldn't I clean this up? And they're like, no, 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 that's not our job. And so she felt like this guilt, like she felt mm-hmm. bad because they were leaving this, you know, the, well, anyway, the evidence for the family who who's maybe somebody in the family was murdered or it was a violent death, and they're just leaving it there. And so then the family has to deal with it. So this character back in um, 1890 uh, in London, this is what she does. She huh. does it once on accident, or not, you know, just kind of by chance, and then she turns it into a business. And so she's the person people call when there's, after the police gather their evidence, she comes and then cleans up the scene. Man. And it's so good. I mean, so what, what uh, Kerrigan has done here is she's married her 
um, her all her knowledge about Victorian England for her Regency romances, along with her current uh, contemporary forensic experience, and she's put it into these mystery novels, and they're so good. I mean, <laughs> the first one. I can only speak about the first one, but it's, I stayed up all night reading it, and I, you can tell that this is written from, from the perspective of somebody who knows what the heck they're talking about, and the yeah. little details that she puts in there it was just completely fascinating, and the story is engrossing, so it has her signature wit and nuance, and uh, just highly, highly, highly recommended. It was, especially for anybody who likes any kind of history or any kind of historical um, stories, but the, ro- the romance is not, it's not really the main story, so mm-hmm. um, it's nice to have as, as an element, but really it's about this character of uh, Fiona Mahoney, and, um, and then Kerrigan is a course irish herself so um you get a lot of that kind of you know the everybody's irish kind of st patrick's day (laughs) well i'm irish there you go but anyway but you you get that flavor to it as well which is which is a anyway i just can't say enough about yeah that That sounds super interesting so there's that first one so the second one because i do want to talk about a romantic comedy kind of my standout romantic comedy this year that i read was outmatched by Kristen callahan and samantha young and this is the first time that they have written a book together but it's completely seamless and you get samantha young's kind of she has this very very unique quirky i, I use the word quirky people use it about me so it's it, I, I i can use it anyway so <laughs> Right, she's very kind of quirky, funny, odd situation, really smart uh, humor, plus Kristen Callahan, poignant, um, just, new. again, I'm going to use the word nuance, nuanced portrayals of real people, and it's that beautiful um, combination that makes this book feel so effortlessly funny and engaging and wonderful so what it's about okay so it's about this woman uh her name is parker and she gets her dream job but the the boss um of this particular company she works for likes for his employees to be settled he likes for them to be in a relationship or be married or what he likes everybody to be settled in etc etc so she has to of course find a fake boyfriend right and so she thinks she's getting this uh very respectable um, gentleman who's going to be playing the role of her fake boyfriend. And I'm gonna, I don't want to give too much away, mm-hmm. but instead she gets his brother, who's an ex-boxer, <laughs> and who looks like a who looks like a bruiser, and he's like foul mouthed. And there's this quote by Parker, who's a super geek, which um, I love. It's kind of my catnip. It's when you have the geeky girl who's uh, too smart for her own good, but it, and then in, in other ways, just like super oblivious to mm-hmm. uh, common sense, and. Um, she says, the guy really pushed my buttons and I hadn't even known I had any. So <laughs> it was like, I didn't even know I had buttons. You know what I mean? Uh, so it, it's lighthearted and it's passionate. And I stayed, again, I stayed up way too late reading it. Um, they cracked me up. Their chemistry together was amazing. And again, this kind of, I just want to point out again, this kind of effortless comedy, passion, poignancy is so difficult to find uh, in 
from my perspective in romantic comedies that I can't recommend it enough. So that was uh, outmatched. That well, was amazing. Well, listen, there's a high bar because you're the one who's saying it's hard for you to find. This is this is kind of like your corner. So it's like they're all oh, up in your well, space. True. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you on that. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Okay, so then we have, oh, and then the third book is Kennedy Ryan's All the King's Men duet. And if you haven't read Kennedy Ryan yet, you are seriously missing out. She is, she writes contemporary romance, and she uses as her canvas current events. Interesting. And her books, her books are not, uh, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's controversial for me to say her books are not funny. They're, her books are serious. And they're, again, they're passionate, they're engaging, um, and but they're also very intense because she's using the real world uh, and she's educating you while you're reading a intense love story. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, I guess the canvas she's using this time is it focuses on the culture and legacy of um, Native American indigenous peoples, and it touches on their, um, not just their legacy, but also their legends. And I don't want to give too much away. Um, so I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stop there. Okay. Uh, but the, she just, the love story is incomparable. But you become so wrapped up in these characters that you forget. She's able to educate you without it all being preachy. Does that Uh make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you learn by accident. And then you feel empathy for the situation and for the characters. and And then, as a byproduct, for real people that are going through these issues and um situations and i learned a lot reading this duet the last one which was called the rebel king came out on november 18th but there um if you're looking for an intense love story something that isn't going to make you laugh but um is is just really going to sweep you up uh i the her duet the all the king's men duet the first one is kingmaker and the second one is the rebel king so those are the those are the books that uh, kept me up late reading in November and kept me from returning people's phone calls um, <laughs> the next day. Um, I remember last time we talked to you, it was when you were starting to get really into like murder mystery and cozy mystery type of things because of what you were working on. So you said that for next year, you're going to probably not release anything for like the first half of the year. So like, what are you planning on doing with your time? Are you going to leave the house more? Like what's, <laughs> what's going to happen? Well, you know, speaking of memoirs, um, so I like to write books that shouldn't be funny, um, about situations that should not be funny. So I'm actually planning on immersing myself in a memoir-ish of my own, which is a room. So, okay. So I I don't know. I always thought, okay. So I I get in trouble with my family whenever I say this, but, oh, all right. So my mom died in 2018 Mm -hmm. and uh the week before the funeral was the most absurd week of my entire life like things happened and i'm like it it, it, i felt like i was in a i felt like i was taping in front of a live studio audience with the things that occurred 
that week before the funeral. And so I'm spending the next several months writing, um, it's, I don't want to call it a memoir mm -hmm. because it's going to be fiction and it's in my fictional universe. Uh, but it's a, a series that I tentatively entitled Death in Texas. And it's about a Texas, a big Texas family uh, who are ranchers, and they're, they also happen to be Catholic, which I guess I am too. And then what happens is that uh, um, the the mother, the matriarch, dies, and the daughter comes back to town to deal with that week before the funeral. So the first book is called The Week Before the Funeral. Um, the second book has is um, tentatively, again, tentatively titled The First Thanksgiving After the Funeral. The third book is the year after the funeral, and it deals with each of the siblings, how they process grief, the grief of their mother dying in their own specific way, and um, it has some nonfiction elements to it for how I've watched my own family deal with the death of a parent and the ludicrous situations that occur. So um, I, I can tell you this one story that will actually make it into the book but i sound exactly like my mom mm -hmm. when i talk and so it's strange for me sometimes to listen to myself talk because i can hear her talking mm -hmm. and so i was at my parents house and the phone rang because they have a landline still and i pick up the phone not even thinking about it and this guy who sounds like he might be 200 years old um says my mom's name is Jane. Jane, it's Joe. I need to talk. I've been trying to get a hold of you all week. And I'm like, oh, God, what do I say? <laughs> because he thinks I'm my mom, and I can't be like, she's dead, you know? So it's like, what do you do? So I just kind of sat there on the phone and answered his questions. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, he thinks she's still alive. But I can't tell him because he sounds really old, and maybe he has a heart condition. I don't want him to die from shock. And so I just answered his questions and then hung up. And my sister's like, did you just pretend to be mom on the phone for, like, the last 10 minutes? I'm like, I don't want to tell him that she's dead. And he, she's like, ah, you know. So it's like, what do you do in those situations? I don't know. Like, should I have told him, uh, she's dead, Joe? She, I don't, and I know I sound like her, but what? Uh, I have I absolutely no idea. What? I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. so full disclosure, my mom also died in 2018, and so oh. I, I, I know exactly what you were talking about. I've not had that particular, like that exact situation, <laughs> but just like the absurdity that happens. It, like, it's so absurd. It's so absurd. Just everything is... Yes, I... Like, picking picking out the the outfit for the wake that she's going to wear? Yep. I'm like, what? what? Uh, why couldn't she have left directions? You know what I mean? I don't want to pick out her outfit. What if I pick it out? And I did. I picked out the wrong outfit. I mean, just between you and I. It was a terrible choice. <laughs> and then I have to go to the wake, and I'm like... And there's no, you can't change them once they're in the outfit. Like, you don't get a preview. It's not a fashion right. show. I yep. know that sounds terrible, but it's like, it's just awful. Everything about it is absurdly awful. Yep. And then, and then I, 
I don't know what your experience was. So, like, in Catholic, anyway, I could talk about this forever, but I'll just put it in the book. But mm-hmm. I'll just say this last thing. My, my, independently of each other, each and, one of, each and every one of my siblings email me or text me and say, would you write the eulogy? You're the best writer in the family. And it's like they use the fact that I write books against me. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like saying to somebody, could you do the dishes? You're so good at doing the dishes. You are, there's nobody in our family that's as good at doing the dishes as you are. You should do the dishes. And I don't want to write the eulogy. And then it turns out in Catholic masses for funerals, you're not allowed to give a eulogy. Oh, interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. You have to you have to give it at the wake. So you know what we did? We lied to the church and we said what I was giving wasn't a eulogy, it was brief comments. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. That's and so amazing. then I end up lying to the priest and I feel bad, right? At my mother's own funeral. Anyway, it's a whole bunch of absurdity that happened the week before the So funeral. I, I so that's what I'm gonna be working on. I actually have a, a similar story involving my sister. So it's just the two of us. And Amy, we also did, like, the brief remarks thing um, at the end. So it was, like, after the, the service and all whatever. And so my sister gets up there, and I get up there with her. And my sister wrote it, and she's reading it. And at one point, she, she makes a comment, something along the lines of how, like, my mom was a preschool teacher. She loved a lot of kids, you know, but she loved... Liam, who is my sister's son, um, you know, she's like, she loved Liam the best. That's what she said. And then I'm standing next to her nodding like, yes, she loved, like, she loved Liam the best. (laughs) Half, I'm not even kidding you, half of the attendees thought she said, my sister said that mom loved me the best. <laughs> referring to herself and then I'm standing next to her just like nodding like nodding like yeah mom did love her the best oh my god like you're like yeah you know you know I kind of love her the best too though let's be honest uh, I mean it's like it's like what do you do in that situation I know so people were like seriously we had I had like multiple people come up and ask about me saying like agreeing with my sister that mom loved uh, my sister the best like so that's funny. not what she said. That's, so funny. that's not what she said. She said Liam. Oh my god! And then you can't do a do-over. You can't do a do-over. There's no do-over. It's not like you can send like a newsletter out to the family. Right. That's not what I. That's right. So yeah, we were doing some like weird damage control over you know like chicken like church lady lunch. I mean like what do oh you do? <laughs> oh. oh the whole thing is just incredibly absurd. Like, anyway, so it's, it, but it's actually a romantic comedy, the book I'm writing. <laughs> when I try and describe it to people, when I try and describe it to people, I'm like, oh, I'm writing this book called, in a series called Death in Texas, and the first book is called The Week Before the Funeral about this woman's mother dying, and it's a romantic comedy. You- and they're like, no, it's not. It's definitely oh. not. <laughs> no, but it totally is, because what happens is, that the, the woman who comes home to the funeral, her estranged husband, they've been separated for four years, is there. And then over the course of the 10 days, I mean, the week, I'm, I'm lying to people the week before the funeral, but over the course of those 10 days before the funeral, they reconnect. And, and so it, it's a romance. So, I mean, of course, <laughs> it's to be happily ever after. 
But um, but yeah, so that's the romantic comedy piece of it. It's like the shenanigans about their reconnection and how that all happens and works. So um, yeah, there's a lot going on. The, but I'm enjoying myself writing the book just because it's somewhat cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Going through that and pointing out the absurdity of our culture, how we culturally, or how at least my my cultural experience deals with the death in in the family, death in the family, and it's absurd. Like you're picking out hors d'oeuvres. Why yeah. am I picking out hors d'oeuvres? This is ludicrous. I anyway. can you you should definitely like the entire blurb on the back or like the first page of the book should literally just say it's actually a romantic comedy. <laughs> That's it. Just, that's it. You know, that should be the tagline. It's actually the very, so uh, all of my books prior to now have been self-published. And this is my very first traditional publishing (gasps) uh, deal. And so our book, I'm writing under and for uh, Amazon imprint called Montlake. And I had gone back and forth with them about, different pitch ideas for I guess four years we had talked about it and then when I pitched this idea to the acquisitions editor she's like yes I want that one and I was like really really this is the one you want like this is it <laughs> not the Jane Austen retelling this is this is the one <laughs> so no and so I have to give them kudos for wanting this strange book series that I want to write which is I mean it is it's completely bizarre so well, that's exciting, that is though. Very exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I'm I'm excited to see what happens and um, to see what traditional publishing is all about. Because, yeah, I am just excited um, to to see to see what happens. So that that is amazing, and I am very much looking forward to it. Hey, let's um let's not wait two years <laughs> to talk again, okay? <laughs> Okay, sounds good. Sorry I talked so much. No. I need to Are you kidding me? I We love when we don't have to do very much. We were joking. And just for your information, by the time this goes up, it will have already happened. But the next episode of our podcast is coming out is on Thursday, and it's with uh, Overdrive's CEO and founder, because we wanted to kind of tell the story of Overdrive. And we interviewed him for like an hour, and I think Jill and I asked him two questions. And we're like, well, this was easy. This is yep. as easy as it gets. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good feedback. I think every time we talk, I apologize for talking too much. I Listen, that's basically, that should be my tagline in my life is just, hi, I'm Adam. <laughs> Sorry for talking too much. Like, that's, <laughs> I understand. No, I yeah. It's uh, a delight. Uh, Penny, you're the absolute best. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me on. You are a delight. <laughs> Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. 
I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.